Hello, friends. I'm Jessenia. And I'm Vanessa. And we call ourselves the Catalog Girls because we catalog our thoughts and we are so happy to have this space. I'm very happy to have this space to talk openly about our thoughts, about share our opinions about our world as through our eyes as Mexican-American millennials. And we're more than just those labels for sure. But just to give you an idea. For our regular listeners, maybe you heard our, I guess, our, I'm, I don't, did we agree on chronological order of dropping this? I think we should, yes. I think the last one we recorded should go before yeah. this one. Yes. Okay. So we, so then if you're a listener, then you know that our last episode was the sort of appetizer sampler episode, just like ideas um, of things that Jasenia and I wanted to talk about and we wanted to get your ideas of what you want to hear us talk more talk less about <laughs> or maybe if you wanted to come join the conversation but um in the sort of aftermath of that episode and closing it just saying you know we're still catching up charlando talking about the pod and <laughs> and then um this this idea of an episode we've been wanting to do resonated so that's what we're going to do this episode yeah, we're going to, in this episode, we're going to explore uh, sort of an answer or just a discussion to the question, do we consider ourselves first generation immigrants or are our parents first generation immigrants to America? So I want to start off with a little story and um, it, it'll kind of jump into it. So a friend of mine was telling me a story about how she went to a doctor's office. Um, I can't remember specifically what kind of doctor, but that's irrelevant at this mm-hmm. point. Anyway, so she is a Mexican-American, born and raised here. Parents are immigrants as well, Mexican. And um, she was at this office and was just kind of sitting, minding her own business, when she noticed that a little 11-year-old girl, she was... Uh, she was going up to the uh, to the help desk to the whatever what do you call those girls again service desk hmm, front clerk front clerk sure. front clerk people and um, you know she was there for her mom's appointment so she goes up to the lady and it's a white lady at the front and she's telling her my mom is here for an appointment so the clerk lady who is white I think I said that already <laughs> response to her very rudely saying well does she have the paperwork like you know that's the first thing that she says does she have the paperwork and the little girl goes what paperwork she needs to have this paperwork otherwise she cannot she has to pay the full amount otherwise if she has the paperwork she'll only have to pay $75 I can't remember the exact amount so the little girl goes back to her mom, asks her. The mom says no in Spanish. She doesn't have the paperwork. And the little girl explains it to the front desk lady. And the front desk lady goes, oh, okay. So then she can't be seen if she doesn't have the paperwork. So my friend was listening to this because it's a small little waiting area. She she walks over to the lady and she says, okay, um, what's going on? You know, I'm paraphrasing everything right now, but she's basically asking her like, like saying to her, like, what is it that the little girl needs to do to be seen today? 
And then the the desk lady looked at my friend and she says to her, she needs to have this paperwork. And my friend responds saying, I just heard everything that you said. And you said that if she has this paperwork, that doesn't mean that she can't be seen. It just means she has to pay this amount. She's like, oh, well, she's like, well, can you find out? So my friend goes, well, can you find out? Can you clarify this information? And so the lady's like, kind of like, you know, taken aback like whoa this lady is like giving me attitude so she gets up and she like walks away and clarifies or whatever and then she looks she comes back with information saying that she can't be seen or whatever however you know like and at this point she's not talking to the little girl she's talking to my friend so the white desk lady is saying to her she needs to call this person to get financial assistance and then she can um be seen and so my friend was like, okay, so she's basically, you know, to kind of get back at her, she's like, okay, so you're saying that we have to call this person and then she'll be able to get seen? Is that correct? And then the lady's like, yes, that's correct. And she's like, okay, well then can you get us that number? How is she, otherwise, how is she supposed to, you know, call this person? How is she supposed to find out? Magically from poof or something like that? And so the lady's like, oh, oh, you know, she gets up out of her seat and she she's showing her frustration. White people always freaking do this. She like shoves her chair in her desk and she gets up and she lets out like a puff like you know like a grunt and she goes and he, she gets the number and stuff and then she hands it to the little girl and then suddenly you know my friend is still standing right next to this little girl and he's saying to her like okay this is what you know this the front desk lady suddenly her her tone has changed her everything has changed and she's looking at the little girl 11 year old girl and explaining to her this is what you're gonna do this is what it says all right, everything okay? And the little girl's like, yeah. Is there anything else that my mom needs? Like, so now the little girl's emboldened. You know? Yeah. So, you know, the the little girl goes back to her mom and then my friend goes to the family and then just kind of reiterates and explains everything again to the family because they don't, you know, the mother doesn't speak any English. She only speaks Spanish. So the little girl, essentially what she was doing was she was brokering everything for her mom and and this is very common for children of immigrant parents, especially whose parents, parents who are, are not welcome in American, like, culture, society, in, ready, I'm going to use this word, PWI, this acronym, PWI, do you know what that means? I just learned that in a podcast I'm listening to. Predominantly no. white institutions. Yes. 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 You know, and it's kind of sad, but like you have like doctor's offices, which are still considered PWIs. And, you know, I'm talking about like places that. What about the offices yeah. of schools? Like when you when when people go to register their, their kids mm-hmm. into school, when I used to um, work um, as an administrative assistant at a the school district part of my duties were uh the registrar's office and we had this one woman come in who had just moved um into the home she was uh, now a live-in maid for a family or whatever and she had to move her kids from the east hampton school district to a different one um the racist ass one will not be named but she goes to their district to be like hey i think my kid needs to start kindergarten in your school and they were like nope you need to go to this other school like didn't even 
didn't even try to bring in an interpreter, didn't try to call town hall, which is exactly what you would do to be like, hey, can you confirm where this tax map number is and what school district it belongs to? They didn't even do that. They just sent her out of there. She got bounced around at a bunch of different schools before she came to the one where there was a Spanish speaking person at the front. And um, the registrar was not of Latin American descent, but she was a Spanish speaker. You know, she's one of those like white people that just really love Spanish. Um, And she was able to, to help this woman, me and this woman chatted and she just felt more comfortable. And guess what fucking school district she belonged in? The very first one that sent her away. The one that didn't even pull an interpreter, didn't even call town hall, just sent her on her way. Predominantly white institutions. This fucking six-year-old had to like fucking, thank God there were Spanish speakers at this school where people care about other human beings and fucking just did the work that was literally two seconds of work. Um, Otherwise, I mean, like... Before before she came to us, she she was going to all these other white places where her six year old probably had a fucking translate. <sighs> yeah, no, we've been in those positions. We've been in positions where yeah. our parents get documents in the mail, and it's like, ¿Qué dice esto? And it's like you're seven, eight years old. You just you know, I think for us because we were in school we were able to actually at those ages sit read and i just dissect those documents (laughs) and then i was i don't know like i was very lucky because as a as a kid i definitely like um interpreted at school functions and stuff or you know like a parent teacher and and whatever but Marcelino my pop-up he's his English is actually pretty really great and he's very he's a good reader and I also had an older brother so I was very lucky in that if there were paperwork if there was any kind of paperwork like that was really important um my dad had other people to turn to you know so like there wasn't a lot of pressure with like I don't know anything in the mail, but things like going with my mom to the bank or going with her to the DMV or something like that. Um, she, her English is also really, really good. And she didn't really rely on me, but she liked using me as backup, mm-hmm. you know, just in case. Uh, so I was very lucky in that I wasn't in that position of I'm eight and being the direct interpreter at a government oh, office. I'm, be, I was eight. And yeah, no, I had to be that way because my mom was a single mom and I was the oldest yeah so believe it or not Vanessa I didn't realize that that's what it was called until like college the term brokering you know basically essentially interpreting for your parents because you're not really interpreting information what you're doing is you're breaking down the information in one language and then translating it in the best possible you know abilities of your comprehension that you can and I first was made aware of this type of behavior when I was um, student teaching in the city. So I student taught in a predominantly Asian American school. So um, most of the parents that were immigrants there, they came from like, you know, Asian countries and uh, their children were American, you know, born here. So I remember when I was uh, doing parent conferences with the, with my sponsor teacher she sat down and with me and she kind of was giving me the form one, you know, the 101 of parent teacher conferences. And then she said to me, she's like, 
I just want you to listen today. I want you to understand how the dynamic is going to go. And I go, okay, what, what is she talking about? She's like, you're going to see that these children, they're going to be at the parentage conferences with us. I was like, okay, I thought that was normal because that was my experience. You know, I didn't say this to her. I'm thinking this. And then she said, um, a lot of these parents, they don't speak English. You know, they're not going to understand everything that I'm going to say or all of these, you know, all this data that I'm going to share with them, like, you know, assessments and whatnot. So she was like, she said, so I'm going to basically, you know, explain, you know, what's good and what's bad and what they need to work on. Just simple matter of fact like that. And I go, okay. She's like, so that their children can easily translate that to their parents and I go oh okay she's like and these parents and she understood the community well she's been there for like 30 years so she was like she said to me that these parents you know if you when you get to understand their culture you'll understand that they just care that their kids are getting a good education and you're you want to assure them that they are getting a good education I go okay and then she told me, she's like, and you'll have other parents where you need to have your principal sitting next to you because they're psychos, the Caucasian parents. You got to watch out for those. Her, she herself was Caucasian. Oh. That's what she said. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, that stuck with me. And, you know, then I didn't realize that until I actually sat down with it, that how, you know, you have to code switch with different populations. Yeah. Even with children, I mean, like, when you talk to children, you code switch into, like, you're, oh, hey, oh, yeah, that's so cool, <laughs> <laughs> sort of voice. That's how I talk to kids. <laughs> I'm like, what do you got there? And they're like, I'm 14. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I stand. I stand. Uh, am I using that word right or phrase right? <laughs> I would not have the faintest clue. <laughs> I I still someone ex- I had a Gen Z explain to me what is it like where does stan come from like is it like understand and and it's sort of like I understand that and I respect it like or where does stan come from and they explained it and I in one ear not the other I had no idea what they were well, talking about when, back in the day it wasn't that long <gasps> ago when I was like obsessing over k-pop um standing basically comes from the term from like from the song um by Eminem Stan like a super obsessive fan stalker fan get it stalker and fan put together is the same you explained it to me and I fucking forgot <laughs> <laughs> I remember this now. <laughs> You're not some Gen Z. <laughs> I don't want to be Gen Z. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to keep up. If it wasn't for that um that TikToker and now he's on Instagram. I think his name is Rod or whatever. I don't remember his name. Yes, I love that. Dude. Millennial weekly updates or whatever. I'm just like, yes. Yes, thank you for keeping me on, you know, on top of things. <laughs> I'm like, no, as a yeah, as an aging millennial, I'm glad that there's somebody out there who's keeping <laughs> keeping track for us. <laughs> Essentially the newsletter, you know, just like here here it is so you don't feel so old. <laughs> 
someone fucking pointed out um, on Twitter that the kids today who talk about like 90s nostalgia um, have about the same amount of, of time difference as like when we were little kids in the late 90s. Um, the 60s nostalgia would have been the like decade, you know, so so nine little 90s kids talking about the 60s is to little younger than the Gen Z's now to talking about the 90s. Basically, like we are the 60s in the oh 90s. My- it's us. We're the old, old people. people. Wow, I'm old. But if you haven't watched the show Pen15, Jasenia, you really fucking have to because it it's, takes place <laughs> in like the early 2000s and it follows these two middle school girls. You so me they, about like, it. I, I started watching um, a couple episodes. I'm sorry. It's not my taste. <laughs> not your thing, Jasenia. No, but I, I watched it. I watched it with my friend because she had introduced it to me too. And we were watching a couple episodes. I think we watched like a good like 10 episodes. And then I was just like, okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> Did you get to the Spice Girls episode? I don't, I, I might have. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't really recall a lot. <sighs> it was really cool because I was a lot of it, like my friend and I, like she's a little, she, I would consider her like a little bit more of a millennial, but she is definitely a millennial. Um, she, we would look at each other, shake our head, like, oh, yeah, I remember those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I was like that, too. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little butterfly clips. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be able to pull off butterfly clips, but I, I couldn't because of, like, my very poofy hair. You would have pulled it off. You can still pull it off if you want, that's all. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? Yeah. And that kind of speaks to what we were talking about, like, in our last recording of just, like, just love thyself. Love thyself. Yeah. Butterfly clips make you feel pretty. Then, like, who needs those Eurocentric standards of your hair ought to be flat for them? Exactly. Who likes thin hair anyway? Okay, no. I don't mean to bash. No. I'm just... No, bash them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hair, hair, curly hair, straight hair. It's all beautiful, but not one of them is more beautiful than the other. You know how this conversation started was we were talking about Stan, and I don't remember what we were standing. Um, Stan Lil Nas X, all right? I I do. I'll, I'll second that Stan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, if that how that's how one uses the stand. That's how one uses the stand. Okay, so I want to share a little bit about just. Do you think your parents consider themselves American? And then the next part is, why or why not? Hmm. I mean, my speculation is that. I'm not I actually I mean again I I think this is definitely a question that I want to pose to them now just because I've been thinking about it so much in the last like hour um, and I I don't know but my speculation is that like 
I don't know that Wakina has even thought of herself as being invited to call herself an American. But at the same time, like, why shouldn't she be? You know, she's lived more than half her life in this country. She was like a literal child when she came here. And now she's in her 50s. She has, you know, she spent more than half her life here. She watched her kids grow up here and she watched her nieces and nephews all have their baptisms and quinceaneras and high school graduations here. Like, why shouldn't she consider herself an American? But that's a different question than do I think she considers herself an American? And then as far as my father goes, I know that he has expressed that he is interested in retiring back home And so for him to say it like that, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I know that he considers himself a Mexican, of course, but does he consider himself an American? I don't know. What about you, Vanessa? Do you consider yourself an American? Yes or no? And why? Oh, full through and through. Very American. I guess I consider myself an American because I feel entitled to go into any country without having to go to its embassy first. Um, but not just that, I'm, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a very bad joke, poor taste, and also just not well executed. Um, I guess because that, I don't, I, well, number one, English, and I, I grew up and lived here. I was born here. Um, And then when I was abroad, I just, I think I came off as very American. And by abroad, I mean, like, outside of North America. I think in Mexico, it's always very obvious, like, oh, that girl's an American. Um, At least my cousins would tell me that, like, oh, you treat dogs differently. (laughs) Like, you like the street dogs and you don't, you know, like, they're they're like babies to you. And I was like, yeah, because they are. Look at them. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, I guess just, like, the way I dress and carry myself um, is got this sort of like American little, I, I, what's the word? I, I guess just sort of way about it. Um, do you consider yourself Amer- just like you, American? Okay. So when I travel out of America, I do consider myself American, but being here in America, I don't, I don't feel like like what your what you said about your mom like welcomed as an American and also I'm I know Jazz will probably be like oh she's still on that maybe I don't know I hope she doesn't get offended sort of I'm at, at a point in my life where I to me when someone says like you know derogatory terms about Mexicans or says something stupid to me you know about being Mexican I like I don't take offense to that I'm like I'm almost like, wow, you're afraid of me, you know, kind of thing. Like I feel empowered by. Yeah. So, but um, also, you know, I think the main reason I think for me, why I do feel do is because, you know, I, I, I'm making an observation about you. Um, I hope you don't take this to offense, but I do feel like you have more like white friends and I don't really have a lot of white friends and um most of my friends are Mexican American or they're like, they're, they're like me, you know, they were born here. Their parents are from different countries. And um, Vanessa, I have another friend, Vanessa and her sister, Maria, my sister. 
Um, <laughs> oh, no, I know you have another friend, Vanessa, because you and Maria talked about her during phobias. And I was like, who the fuck is other Vanessa? They're they're white Mexicans. So for them, like, you know, it, it's it's a little complex of too the relationship. But like, they're also super duper Mexican. So with them, I'm very, very close with them because we do have that much in common. Like we just are so proud of our culture and our heritage and our upbringing, too. And um, we regularly speak in Spanish, like even when we go out in public, like, you know, we'll just go out in Spanish. It, you know, we're not ashamed. We're not anything like that. Um, and even with I also I have the privilege, you know, I always say thank you to God, whatever your beliefs are, listeners. This is just me personally, but I have been blessed with being in a profession that is welcoming and, and welcoming and accepting of, you know, Spanish speaking uh people so I work in a in a a staff now with staff that you know are me are like me you know born here speak you know English and Spanish parents you know things like I don't think a lot of people minorities can see a reflection of themselves being almost the majority in a building so that's why I feel like I'm able to hold on to that part of who I am. And I love, I love it so much when, um, you know, Spanish speaking families, they, they'll ask me like, you know, just out of curiosity, where are you from? And I always love to tell them, oh, I'm Mexican. And they're like, oh, I knew it. I can tell by your Spanish. And it just, to me, it's so empowering. And, um, it, it makes me feel like, you know, I, I'm okay. Like, it makes me feel like I am, I am who I am. Like, being who I am is okay in this space. You know, I don't have to hide like I used to in elementary school or in middle school or in high school. So that's my thing. I love that. But I, but one of the things that really stuck out to me was that you immediately answer, soy mexicana or soy de Mexico whichever variation of that, but like, soy de Mexico. For me, I reach for, me nací aquí, pero mi mamá y papá son de Mexico. I was just going to say, which kind of answers the question of like, you know, at least I should have thought of that sentence when I, when I was thinking to answer the question, do I consider myself American? Because like very clearly I was just like, even in Spanish, I'm like, I was born here, but that's a different, I mean, being born here, that's just fact. Yeah. But am like, am I an American is a different question. But I still feel very much not entitled to say, I mean, not that I feel like you are being entitled, but like, I'm not sure that I'm, I guess that it would be fair to identify as Mexican when, but at the same time, I mean, like my parents are, straight from Mexico and so I still know what it's like to grow up with Mexican parents <laughs> I consider myself a person of Mexican heritage but that is a different identifier than me considering myself I'm working on you know being there for my inner child like so yeah. And I know that parents, they look up to you, you know, they, they, they want their children to say, yeah, you see that person? Yeah, that's going to be you. That can be you too, you know? 
I actually, I will say, I do like that, that like, um, I don't know, that working with, with kids in the capacity that I do, and even just not even like when I work with kids, but in the meetings that I go to, and I'm in a room with all these old white people, and I just think like, I am a Mexican person, I am brown, <laughs> I have this dark curly hair, and like, you know, if you think we're all here to take over, guess what, bitch, we are, like, we're here, <laughs> like, we're gonna, more of us will be in, in these rooms and stuff, and we can be, and fucking, I don't know, but I guess also, sometimes when I've been in Mexico, I, um, at least the one thing that pops up to me is when I was visiting my friend from college, Adrian, um, his family's Guatemalan, and I, but I was visiting Adrian's brother in Mexico City, and he threw this house party, um, and their, like, their grandparents showed up, and the grandpa um, said, like, oh, you would think that somebody who looks like you would speak better Spanish. Um, I don't know, just little things like that that kind of make me feel like I don't, too American, not American enough, too Mexican, not Mexican enough. Perfect quote from Selena Quintanilla. Move. Uh, <laughs> Selena's. <laughs> Anything for Selena's. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No, I have, I, that's, and that's classism right there. You know, that's classism because, you know, we, there's that whole tiered, um, you know, white supremacy shit in in Latin American countries um, and Asian countries as well. You know, but here's the other thing. When I was in North America, when I was outside of North America, when I was in Europe, I felt kind of this liberation in saying I'm an American because that could literally just be of the Americas I'm of the Americas I'm of Latin America I'm of the United States of America I'm of of the whole I'm I'm of North America you know I'm North American literally Mexico but and and not even but just not even Mexico but like literally Central America South America that's all the Americas I'm of that whole giant thing is where all of my roots are. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Too often, too often in America, do in in the U.S. of America, in the United States of America, do we think of ourselves as the only Americans? But we're all fucking Americans. This whole fucking from up there to down there, Americans. At least we used to say that all the time in, at the organization of Latin America, like at the. It, it's essentially like model UN, but like only for the American countries. And all the all the students from all the across the Americas would literally be like, "We're all Americans. Stop hogging that title." Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess when I say I'm an American, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know that 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 I like that. I think I will use that as well. That's a new meaning, a new little tool, self-identity tool kit tool to add in my little toolbox. I like that. Yeah. I like. And also, I'm an American with parents of 
Mexico, Mexico lindo. I don't know if you listened. There's this really great playlist on Spotify. I've only gotten out to like five of the songs because I, I fell in love with these first five. <laughs> but it's it's Sabor a Mexico. I think is the name of the playlist. I don't remember if you shared it with me or maybe like I don't remember who shared this playlist with me. But like all of the songs like make me want to fucking cry. Also, if you've never listened to Natalia La Forcada, she fucking she slaps. Mm. She slaps. I fucking cry. I I she sings this variation of um I don't remember the name of the song. Mexico hermosa. But she's like fucking she sings like a fucking angel and it's so beautiful. And it's just literally this like ballad to Mexico and it's just like it makes me cry. Like oh, I, thinking about like me too. Like I like for me, I just I listen to a lot of Luce Miguel. I thought you were thinking about like the song that goes Así se siente México, así se siente México, así como unos labios por la piel. No, okay, I listened to too much. <laughs> no, I fucking love that. <laughs> I, oh, but no, I was, I, I added some like Luis Miguel's biggest hits on my Spotify, on my, my current like commute playlist. Um, Fun fact. Uh, Luis Miguel for our listeners and you Vanessa so Luis Miguel originally was born in Puerto Rico but his parents what yeah, his parents immigrated to Mexico and then he got his Mexican citizenship and now he considers himself Mexican <laughs> I had no idea yeah my mom told me she's a huge fan of Luis Miguel she's a Luis Miguel stan <laughs> I feel like my mom probably is too. Um, Your mom is probably probably like Vicente Fernandez. People love Vicente Fernandez. My dad, my dad is Vicente Fernandez. My mom. I told Patrick the story recently. He thought it was hilarious, but my my mom was so fucking mad at my dad. My dad took us to Vicente Fernandez uh, Fernandez concert in Madison Square Garden. <gasps> And Wakina was like, you are, like, are you fucking crazy? Fine, you can, you can take the kids to fucking Madison Square Garden. I'm staying home. Like, you fucking, you, you fucking good luck. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, now that I'm older, I'm just like, oh my God, what do you mean you trusted a man with three kids under the age of 10 to, to take the train into the city? to Manhattan to go to a Vincent Fernandez concert at fucking Madison Square Garden, like this fucking huge ass establishment. Like, like I couldn't even trust me with three kids under 10 in a situation like that. I wouldn't trust me. Mm-mm. Don't give me kids. <laughs> I <laughs> would lose them immediately. So did just be like, oh, lose you guys? Were you guys okay? <laughs> No, we all lived. I mean, like, we were fine, but I can't imagine my mom, like, that's bold. She was just like, fine, fucking lose one if you want. Like, no, she didn't say that. Anyway. (laughs) I think think Wakina would have fucking freaked out if Marcelino actually lost one of us, but I'm just like, holy shit. I... With my mom, like, sometimes, like, I'll go at her as, like, ma, ma," you know, like, you know, just to kind of joke around, but when you want you know, when I want something from her, I'll say, um, mom, eh, quiero hablar contigo sobre algo importante. You know, tienes un, unos minutos para hablar conmigo. And then she'll be like, ¿Qué, ¿qué pasa? ¿Qué pasa? And then that's when 
I can disarm her. Like, that's how I disarm her. Like, I don't go in, mom, can I talk to you about something? Because then she's like, ah, what? What is it now? What are you going to complain about? Uh, You know? So, you know, like, just that's how I disarm her. And I think that maybe um, with your mom, the way that I've usually disarmed other parents (laughs) Um, I usually go in like I, I st- first I say my opinion in Spanish about something and then I'll say what do you think or like is that true is that true you know like something like that about you know their upbringing in Mexico because it was obviously so different from how we were brought up too. Um, I think I disarmed my mom uh, I think it was probably like my first year in college when I was sort of starting to reckon with you know my relationship with my dad Um and like she was so hurt to hear that I had certain hostile feelings towards my dad and I told her that you know at 20 year old me told her hey mom like I wish like my dad you know was never born or something like that I can't remember like I hated him so much and she she was so hurt by that and then she started to tell me that's not what the relationship I had with my dad with my dad like she had a totally different relationship with her dad like opposite of me you know her dad did not choose to abandon her as my dad did to my my sister and I so then at the end of everything that happened you know she was brought to tears like she was crying because and that was the first time I saw my mom crying like I was just like my mom is crying about her dad but her I saw her yeah I saw her as her like I think she was like seven or six years old that's around the time uh, my dad abandoned my sister and I and my mom and so I saw her at that age basically saying through tears I really just want to talk to my dad I'm so sad that I can't talk to my dad and he's not picking up the phone he's not answering me and I'm like, oh, and my mom, you know, she's got her shirt. And she's like, and I, all I do is just sit there and I'm not crying, but I'm just like, I, weirdly, I'm like excited because I'm like, wow, yeah. my mom is, my like, mom is crying. Like she yeah. has a whole fucking yeah. backstory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, it didn't stop. I would talk and ask her I, questions all the you time. You know, I didn't see my mom cry yeah. until 9-11. That's the first time I saw my mom cry. Whoa. When you said that, that, you know, your mom Whoa. cried in front of you, I was like, holy shit, my Wakina didn't fucking let herself be that vulnerable until 9-11 when she was like, I was really fucking scared, you know, because we don't know what the fuck is going on. It's two hours away from here. And my kids are, you know, out there and, and like, what if, what if, you know, what if today's okay, but like tomorrow there's more attacking. And then next thing we know, everyone Long Island can't fucking leave Long Island. You know, I love your mom's story. I need to hear more of it because I I can just picture it now, like that sort of the feelings, the emotions, there's so much embedded in that, that those tears, you know, I want to say a part of her crying too, was just sort of like it triggered a trauma. It was a trigger. And then the other part too is, is like, 
you know, a lot of our families that come from places where there's violence and a lot of, you know, you don't know if you're going to live the next day kind of thing. We, they come country thinking it's the most safest spot. Your children don't die of starvation here. The tomorrow is promise. Yes. Tomorrow is promise. And then suddenly it's like, no, now here we're under attack. Like, so where are we going to be safe? Yeah. That kind of And also the of fact the very fact that she had never cried in front of me, I don't think was her like being, oh, I'm gonna protect my child from my emotions. Like that's just that's like straight up her just like shoving her emotions and like you know, hiding them away, which is just like I don't know. I think it's important for parents to be vulnerable with their kids because like it kind of shows them them how them too how to be vulnerable. You know, they'll they'll act the way that you act. And like, if you show them that this is okay to disarm every, you know, to fucking let your walls down and to like fucking be sad sometimes. I'm laughing and I'm not laughing because of that, but it just reminded me something really quick. (laughs) I remember I said something to my brother, you know, he's 11 and I said something so silly. I don't remember what I said. Ah! His reaction was, who do you think made me like this? Huh? Huh? To think <laughs> he's like he goes i see you guys acting like this it's only natural that i uh what did he say i think he said that i start to adopt adapt to your ways. and i was just like wow myself we gotta check ourselves and he's aware of it like he know your little brother i cannot have i will not have children as good as that i will be so fucking like annoyed that my kids are not perceptive <laughs> and sensitive and sweet what a good oh. he's super aware but we don't talk to him like that you know we don't sit down with him and just let me critically explain yeah like like you as a child are only analysis. absorbing you the know, messages that we send you through our own habits like no you've never sat down and said that to your kid and maybe he saw that on tv <laughs> somewhere like on a really clever show but like it stuck with him and it made sense. And he was like, yeah, like wherever this thought fucking came from, and it very well could have just come from him because he's a very perceptive young little being, little baby. Um, like it just, it's, he got it. It clicked like that. He's a child. He's watching. He's not going to do as you say, he will do as you do. It's beautiful. Are those stickers that you put. Chale. Oh, oh. <laughs> Chales. Love, respects. I oh, love the snowy the day. Snowy it's my days. favorite post. Did you get my Christmas card with the snowy day stamp? Yes, yes, I saw that. I was like, oh, look at her being all teachery. But I was like, no, this isn't just a teachery thing. This is a thing. Oh, I voted in the hands. <gasps> and... Oh, did I tell you I got my second uh, vacuna? How do you say it again? Dose? Uh-huh. The second dose of the vaccine. Oh, is that Bambi? I love your sticker. To our audience. That's while an oyster. Vanessa showing me the stickers on her water I'll bottle. link to the stickers <laughs> in the show. <laughs> the show description. <laughs> I can, though. I got them all on Etsy. It's ganas, except for that one. <laughs> Aww. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Um, 
we have just finally opened up our Instagram account. So you can follow us at Catalog Girls. That's C-A-T-A-L-O-G-U-E-G-I-R-L-S. Thank you so much. We hope you have a fantastic day. Good night.